Welcome back to the Respawning Podcast, episode 15. I hope all of you lovely, lovely listeners are doing very, very well as the temperature turns nice and cold going into those autumn and winter months now. But hey, we're not on Weather Channel, so let's get on with some video games. So I'm joined here by the one and only Lance. Hello. And just Lance as well. <laughs> nice and cosy today. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> just had an echo to that bit. It sounds like there's more people. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We'll just like echo chamber it. It's not like there's 20 people. It'll be Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, like I said, it's getting nice and cold now. So, hey, let's get cosy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I'll open up with the ever infamous question that's opened up every single episode of this podcast. What have you been playing, Lance? uh actually i've been playing a few things uh it's I, I really don't have the time to play everything i want to play mm. uh i've been playing a lot of anthem actually is the main thing at the top of my list ah. because uh luke and uh will have actually got me into playing anthem oh okay cool cool because it recently came over to ea access uh so i was able to get that for free because i'm a subscriber to ea access mm. so as a result of them and their ongoing series uh, that they're currently publishing on our on our website. Oh yes, <laughs> they obviously they constantly talk about how good it is. So it sort of got me interested, and now I am. I will admit, I am hooked. Good, good. Because I was I was a big skeptic because I I saw the game when they were obviously talking about it when it, before it got released, hmm. and I got quite excited. However, I wasn't able to get it when it released. But from all the press that it received and the negative yeah. uh, reviews that it yeah. got, it put me off completely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Same but, here. Yeah, but from what uh, Luke and Will have said, and from playing it myself, they've definitely fixed a lot of the problems they mm. had. And I'm, yeah, it's really, really good. I'm quite enjoying it now. Good, good, good. So, how far have you sort of gotten in? How many hours have you sunk in? Uh, I mean, I play pretty much every night before I go to bed. So you're probably talking. What? Well, how long have I been playing it for? A week now. You're probably mm. talking getting on nearly twenty hours. Ah, not bad then. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. And so far, I haven't got to the point of where, you know, in certain games like Anthem and Destiny, you get to a certain point where you think to yourself, well, what's next? Yeah. Am I just going to be grinding the same thing over and over again? Yeah, I haven't yeah. reached that in Anthem yet, thankfully. Okay. Fair There's enough. still more for me to do, so it's all good. Ah, wicked. Wicked. So have you been playing anything else other than Anthem, or is it just uh, yep, a soul I'm, bug? <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to complete the Gears, Gears 5 uh, campaign. Mm. I'm still trying to do it. It's little bits here and there. Okay. Uh, I've also been working on a review, obviously, for uh, Devil Hunt. Mm. I can't say too much about that one, because I've got the review probably coming out next week. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so that one's looking quite interesting at the moment. It's very the only, the only spoiler we'll give is if you like uh, Devil May Cry, you might you're probably going to like this one. Ooh, that's definitely uh, piqued my ears a little bit. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good, uh, and that's pretty much it at the moment. That and I've been working on my video editing skills. Oh yes, as we've seen with your uh, your latest video, the uh, review of Sinking City that's just gone yes. out literally today. Yeah. So yes, I'm getting of... there bit by bit. I've just got hold of uh, the Adobe After Effects, so I'm working on various new uh, sort of ah. techniques and stuff. So watching a lot of YouTube tutorials. Oh yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, you can catch that latest video literally as per five minutes ago before this podcast even started recording uh, over on our YouTube channel and also on our site. So yeah, definitely give it a look. Shameless plug. Oh yes, the old shameless plug. <laughs> perfect i guess for myself as well um you know recently things have been quite hectic uh you know as is with sort of the latter half of the year but uh, i've been trying to squeeze some time in been playing a hell of a lot of monster hunter recently monster hunter world 
absolutely got the bug back for it thanks to uh, Luke and Co and also been playing with my partner as well uh, pretty is much that constantly. also partly due to the new DLC that got released as well that is but I've yet to actually touch the DLC at all oh. or even purchase it for that matter of fact oh, we've really? uh, been doing sort of like well I say weekly it's been one episode uh, well we're hoping it's going to be weekly streams of uh, sort of our progression through Monster Hunter World um Previously, when we were playing it quite regularly, we got to pretty much near the end game. Have we stopped about, you know, about, I'd say, just short of the last hurdle, hunting down the last few Elder Dragons, but we're finally knocking those off now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you uh, if you wanted to see three people who are very, very competent at Monster Hunter World, who haven't played in months, try and beat some of the Elder Dragons, then, uh, yeah, yikes, it was, uh, it was a bit of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued already. Oh yes, and shameless plug again. You can catch it over on the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess one thing, uh, whilst we're on the topic of YouTube and video, uh, that occurred quite recently, and the whole reason we've postponed this podcast until today, uh, Wednesday the 25th, is because yesterday on the 24th, PlayStation and Sony held their next state of play, um, which is sort of like for those who are uninitiated, essentially just a PlayStation branded Nintendo Direct essentially um and basically there was a lot of different reveals lots of sort of smaller little bits here and there uh death stranding got an exclusive uh limited edition playstation 4 with like a big set of handprints and a translucent controller uh you had some other games here and there medieval getting some demo content that sort of stuff but uh i guess i'm gonna stop waffling and i'm gonna open to you lance (laughs) and ask you what did you think of Sony's state of play yesterday, and what is your favourite announcement in total uh, from that sort of stream? There's a few things that piqued my interest. Uh, in terms of the state of play, I actually missed it when it went live, so unfortunately mm. I had to catch up through sort of the news and through media the day after. Mm. Uh, so I've been sort of catching up bits and pieces. I think the main thing that struck that stood out to me was the Call of Duty Modern Warfare story trailer. Mm. That was really, really interesting. I think we actually spoke about some of my feelings towards that at length <laughs> in our in our work chat on Facebook today. Actually, very because much I, I've I've got <laughs> yeah I've got very mixed feelings about that. Uh, mm. I won't go on about that one just to yet. Just yet, I'll come back to that. But uh, I'm liking the look of the limited edition Death Stranding PS4 Pro. I mm. like the look of that. Definitely, I yeah. also like the translucent controller. It's like a, an orangey-yellow colour. Yeah. I yeah. really, really like that. Reminds uh, me a lot of the old sort of like Game Boy Colour and Game Boy Advance. Yes. Uh, different yeah, yeah, yeah. models that they have. So, yeah, very big fan of that. <laughs> yeah. I think the other one that piqued my interest as well was the LA Noir VR files. Yeah, that's been uh, out for a while on uh, PC, hasn't it? And now it's finally yeah. its way over to PSVR. And similar to that as well, um, a PSVR game that I thought would actually never arrive on PSVR uh, was Gorn, actually. And um, that was, well, previously, a uh, I think it was a Vive and Oculus exclusive, actually. And right, just because okay. of the way the, the game works, it, um, it's essentially like this Roman-styled arena uh, survival game. Uh, where you we had a variety of weapons from like swords to you know spike shields to wolverine claws for god's sake um <laughs> and you just dismember things in really bloody oh, nice. ways and it's it's just so i guess the one word or the one term i would use to describe it is catharsis just right okay it yep, really yep. helps you get that aggression out <laughs> but <laughs> very therapeutic yeah yeah but because it's like a whole 360 like um sense of tracking so like you're in a circular yeah. arena it's you know all around you, you can get hit from behind and all that um i was wondering like uh, surely this is impossible for the psvr to to pull off because you have a single camera facing you 
Uh, so yeah, you, so turn you your back, back yeah. to it, then it's, yeah. Yeah, so you have maybe like 180 degrees or maybe a little bit wider than that if you turn just a little bit. But, you know, I'm really interested to see how they pull it off. But, uh, mm. yeah, going back to um, to your original point, though, like, there was a lot of really good announcements in terms of PSVR, in terms of some AAA titles as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I was a big fan of LA Noir when it first came out. Mm. Uh, and I like the distort style of it as well. So to play it in VR, I'm quite excited about that. It should be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've watched and a the... few compilations of just people slapping the uh, the people <laughs> in the uh, in the detention rooms, just like, why won't you tell the truth? <laughs> well, you're always going to get that from VR. I think some of the, some of the funniest videos I've seen is where people have sort of stretched their imagination in VR when it comes to games. Uh, my favorite ones are always the ones where you have like. Um, VR competitive or uh, collaborative shooters like co-op shooters and like someone's like holding the gun and they're like oh it's not loaded and they pull the trigger and just accidentally shoot their mate or something it's yes so funny. There's, there's one i was watching which was uh, i don't actually know the name of the game now it was a medieval game mm. and uh, one of the highlights of this vr medieval game was the fact that you could put a bucket on the enemy's heads <laughs> literally pick up a bucket and put it on their head and then watch them wander around and not be able to see where they're going and just that immersiveness <laughs> and the fact that some designer at some point has sat there and gone, do you know what? It'd be funny if they could actually put buckets on the enemy's heads. <laughs> They've obviously had to program that into the game at some point, which I think is just brilliant. <laughs> amazing, amazing. But if a, if a good first-person like um, competitive shooter does come on PSVR, I know that Javier has uh, sold his PSVR now, but Javier, I'm just saying now, no offence, buddy. <laughs> I've seen you with grenades. I don't want to see you with a rifle. Oh, no, that's not... <laughs> That's not going to be pretty. No, 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 no. <laughs> I guess for me, like, it was really interesting seeing a lot more of um, The Last of Us 2. I mean, I've not played yes. The Last of Us 1. but Nope, I I'm think, in the same boat. I think, like, it was really interesting watching the trailer just because I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's just going to be like a narrative focus game. It's just going to be, eh. And I was thinking, eh, you know, we've not seen a lot about it. It's probably not going to be too good. But then, like, the one thing that struck me really, really badly was, like, Oh damn! This game is bloody gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks it's, it's, really, really. When nice. I watched the trailer, I was thinking it sort of piqued my interest more to play the first. Now, mm, definitely, definitely. And now that it's coming on PS Plus this month as well. Yes, you know, exactly. Exactly. Perfect chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we've we've got uh, a lot of things to be getting through in terms of games uh, coming up. But I'm not going to have the time. I'm, I can tell you now. I'm there's no gonna way I'm going to have the time. I need to find the time. <laughs> well, I mean, next week is the release of Shadowkeep for Destiny 2, yes. and I have already put literally the entire week aside just to play that. Jesus. <laughs> so, and it's going to, because I mean, we, I've got a group of us that have been waiting for it for ages now, and we, yes. we've all, I think two of my friends have actually booked the entire week off work just to play it. That's how much, how hyped we are for it. Yeah. So that's going to take up a whole week of my gaming, I reckon, next week. <laughs> I might be able to fit in a few things, maybe, maybe during lunch breaks at work, but we'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah. So I guess moving away from consoles and Sony, um, there's been some quite interesting news recently regarding Steam ownership, uh, the French market and European markets, and the reselling of owned games, digital games at that. Ye yes, uh, it's quite an interesting story, this one. There's, there's quite a varied uh, view of opinions regarding mm. it. But, I mean, originally, it was actually uh, back in 2015, uh, the uh, French UFC, uh, well, they're called the, the, the UFC, and I'm going to butcher this because I really can't do French that well, <laughs> the UFC 
Schwasser, maybe. That sounds like a term. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a consumer rights association. Uh, and basically, they uh, deemed that it was unfair that Steam wasn't, allow wasn't allowing uh, customers to sell on their games, oh. basically. It's interesting. And yeah, very interesting. Yeah. And basically, what they've said is uh, under European law, users should be allowed to resell dematerialized, as in non-physical goods, hmm. uh, specifically di digital games sold via Steam. And that's that's sort of the blurb. That's the the, the headline of, of what it is. That's fascinating because, like, we've not really yeah. seen like anywhere in the world a system where well anything can be really like resold digitally. I mean, if you look at music, no. films, you know, TV shows, anything, art, even, you know, yeah, it's never been a concept that's been explored before. So to see like the the, uh, the French um, sort of consumer board going right, well tough <laughs> you know yeah you gotta let this happen it's like yeah but well, how you know <laughs> yeah i mean i mean the interesting thing is when you sort of think about it when you back in the old days before you were able to sort of steam came along etc you go and buy a physical copy yeah and effectively you were buying the license for that that game you had the license to own that game basically yeah and because you had the license that means you could then sell to a friend yeah and then they would then own the game etc etc yeah so i think where they're coming from yeah. is the fact that You've paid for this game. It's your game. Mm. Why? Why can you not then sell that on or do whatever you want with it because you've paid for the right? But what the Steam have argued, or Valve in particular, so not not Steam, obviously Steam owned by Valve, they have argued that actually you're not paying for the game. You're paying for a subscription mm. to play the game. That's a very um, weird sorry, way of putting it. Yeah, they, that's basically what they've said, is you're not paying for the game, you're paying for an undetermined amount of time to play the game. <laughs> that's so the money really you, weird, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah that's, how, that's their argument, is no, you've not paid for the game because it's not a physical copy. What you've done is you paid a subscription to play the game for an undetermined amount of time. It's an interesting question as well, because obviously if this does become a thing and you know we're going to be able to somehow eventually resell our digital games then the question is well the whole basis of the resale market is price degradation and quality degradation you know yes you get items discounted because the case is battered because the collector uh, collector edition is missing a few things or someone spot a yep. can of coke or something on their disc you know but that can't ever happen with digital titles they will never degrade no. quality so what's the difference between you know just gifting your copy to another person or you know just refunding at full retail price unless it's like a forced degradation system you know yeah i mean i think i mean i can look at it from a consumer from a consumer point of view if i've paid for a game it's mine to do what i want yeah i, I definitely agree however from a business that technically means one person can buy the game and then pass it on or sell it on to maybe six or seven friends yeah yeah, it's true. Which means then the publisher, the producer of the game, they're not getting any money. Mm -hmm. Which means, you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's you know, there's two sides to this coin. Yes, you paid for the game, and yes, it should be yours to do with what you want. However, if that's the state, then there's going to be less people buying the game in the first place because they'll just wait for it to appear on the market mm -hmm. or a second-hand copy, so to speak. See, it's really odd because I think for the first time ever in a situation like this, I'm actually leaning more towards siding with Valve. Just purely because yeah. if you do enable this sort of practice, then if you don't administer like a tax or a degradation system to it, 
then businesses are going to be unhappy and they're going to say, well, what the hell? You know, people are returning these at full retail value or selling them off re- full, re- to, uh, full retail value. What the hell are you doing, Valve? And if you do force it in, so if you do add like a degradation system, then customers are going to go, oh, well, it's a digital item. It's never going to decay. It's never going to lose its value. It's never going to, you know, deteriorate in quality. You know, the code is ultimately never going to change because you can always wipe the save data and everything, you know? No, so yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's totally. like a lose-lose situation for for both parties, really. It's really odd to think about it. What's interesting is it's actually the Paris court has actually ruled in favour of the uh, the Consumer Rights Association. Oh, so Steam are going to, well, uh, Valve are going to put forward, obviously, uh, an appeal towards it. Yeah, yeah. But they have actually won the right to sort of stop them, stop them from stopping the other people selling the games on. Because oh. you can get re. I mean, I think at the moment the Steam uh, policy is if you play the game for a certain amount of times, you're not entitled to a refund. I think it's two hours. However, two hours. Yeah. Maybe. However, if you buy the game and don't play it, you can then ask for a refund. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where they, they part of the argument came from is the fact that if they can ask for their money back. Once they bought the game, why can't they just sell the game onto someone else? Because uh, they've still got the consumer rights of this is a product that they have paid for. Yeah. And if they've got the statutory rights of getting a refund, then surely they've got the rights of owning that and giving it on to someone else. And yeah, like I said, they they've won the uh, this ruling, so yeah. they're just waiting now for uh, to, to Valve to appeal. It's it's odd because like I could see how this could work with like if you've obviously played a game for more than two hours and you want to clear it from your catalogue or sell it on then I can understand then you know you'd have a valid reason to put some sort of tax on it but then again yeah. people would be upset anyway you know you'd have yeah. people going oh well you know this game was absolute dog shit you know I played it for six hours because you know I want to I, see if it got better I see if yeah. it got better or I left my PC on because I went out and I was downloading something or something other you know Yeah. and they're going to complain and write about it well, digitally, right? <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, some of the thing I found out is I didn't know this is you with Valve with Steam you get a Steam wallet. Yes. So you can buy uh, credit for Steam to then purchase games, etc. Mm-hmm. And you can also sometimes earn credit by their online sort of stock market system where you get uh, I don't know exactly I can't remember what they're called now, but they're like sort of cards you can collect cards uh, from yeah. playing certain the, games. The Steam trading cards. You, yep. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Well, if you close down your Steam account, any funds in your wallet is automatically given to Steam. You can't take that with you. Ah. So all of that money that you've put into Steam yeah. becomes Steam whether you don't spend it or not, or whether you spend it or not, mm. sorry. And that's another thing that they've gone, well, that surely that's not fair. So there's so many different things that they've sort of brought up and sort of highlighted yeah, again, well, yeah. this isn't fair. It's like opening a bank account and then closing it and saying, well... Sucks to be you. Well, the money's you ours now. You didn't transfer yeah. you, you know, your savings, so huh. yep. sucks to be you. It's ours now. Yeah. <laughs> What's even more interesting is this Consumer Rights Association, because of their win, so to speak, they've now made a statement to say that they are they're looking at other Ooh. online systems similar to Steam, such as the Epic Store. Uh, there's the Xbox One as well. Yeah. So the they're looking at PlayStation Store, yes. eShop. So. They even mentioned uh, the licensing system currently with Windows platforms. Really? Yeah. But with um, Windows keys as well. Win- Windows Windows licenses, because once you use that, and once oh. you use a Windows license, that's it. You can't use it again. Yeah. And if they start going down the road of Windows, or if if they start bringing in sort of well Microsoft, that could open up a whole can of worms. Oh yes. 
Oh, because yes. <laughs> then that would knock on to so many other uh, software distributors and software creators yeah. that use license systems. Exactly, it could see a gigantic and you know possibly even unnecessary reform of the existing licensing systems we've got today. So, yeah. So it, <laughs> it, it goes, like I said, two sides of the same coin. Are they, they're working for the consumers, but at the same time, it'll have a knock-on effect possibly to the industry. Well. Listeners, join us in the Respawning Podcast episode 1524 <laughs> in uh, 2050 to see if we live in an anti-digital dystopia. So, oh, yes. <laughs> Although, if we do, then how the bloody hell would you listen to it? So, That is uh, very true. And if they did listen to it, they'd probably have to pay for it, but they would then become theirs to sell on if they wish. Exactly. That's the main thing. <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> so, I guess on the topic of... Uh, I guess we'll say capitalism. Uh, <laughs> we have the I know uh, this is going. oh yes, we're having the uh, the crowned king of capitalism, Apple, who have mm. uh, entered the gaming sort of zone with Apple Arcade, a mobile-based subscription service that provides supposedly high-quality mobile games. Um, mm. Sort of, as I feel like a, uh, I want to say like a preliminary can we do this before Sadia kills everything sort of step. So it's a very mm. odd change um, to sort of mobile gaming. And it's, I think it's trying to combat one of the biggest preventers of, you know, mobile gaming becoming a thing, which is that quality barrier. Because obviously yeah. you, you go onto the Play Store, the iOS Store, App Store, whatever, and you go you know, look for a game and it's either, you know, really, really bad microtransaction laden games or it's just like... Mm -hmm ads every five seconds yeah. which is not great so it's going to be interesting to see what exactly they do with it because i'm looking through the uh, the games that they've announced for the platform now and i mean they've got ocean horn 2 the the zelda like title that you know many people loved and adored on you know pc ps4 and switch mm. yeah. you've got uh, i believe you've got a new entry in the enter the gungeon franchise with exit the gungeon which is going to be an exclusive um yep You've got Yaga, you've got Spider Saws, you've got a lot of games that are sort of either well known in the mobile community or look like really high quality indie games um, being bundled into this service. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how it's going to to work. You know, I mean, this is a, this is a five pound a month trial, but well, four ninety nine. So you save a penny yeah, at least. Yeah. You can put it in your jar. But, you know, it's it's basically like Games Pass for mobile games, and I don't know how to feel about it. It's conflicting. <laughs> I'm not into... I mean, I know a lot of people will argue that mobile gaming is, is a big thing now. Mm. I still am very sceptic about that statement. Yeah, like, I, in recent memory, the only two mobile games I've played, like, in the last, I'd say, five years were Bleach Brave Souls and Dragalia Lost, and both of them were Japanese gacha games. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, but then Konami... Yeah, as it will... <laughs> for me, what, what... Oh, I played uh, Elder Scrolls, the the, the Blades poor, poor game. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, my poor precious memory on my phone. Yeah. But it's no, I mean, I don't think I still I, I will stand up and say this and a lot of people will criticize me for saying this. Mm. I still don't think there is much of a mobile gaming market out there at the moment to warrant things like effectively a Netflix for gaming. Definitely, definitely. I think like 
the concept of Stadia is a good example, um, you know, bridging the gap between mobile gaming and console gaming. Asterisk if it bloody works, you know. Mm. But I think that like Apple Arcade is a good idea in principle, and I think a lot of the titles that are coming onto it look really, really good. But I don't think the mobile market is necessarily going to to care or want to pay for it, you know. I mean, mm. obviously, yeah. mobile gaming is a huge, huge thing. But the problem with mobile gaming is that the big, big titles that are on the platform have already sunk their teeth deep into the people that are going to, you know, play these sort of games. You know, you've got Candy Crush and Clash of Clans and, you know, all these other titles to choose from. Yeah, why, they're not going to go subscription. Five quid for, for, you know, Apple Arcade when I could pay, you know, 10, 12, whatever quid for Stadia and play all my free apps, you know? Yeah. Or even emulation, yeah. even, you know? It's weird because, like, to me, it kind of feels like the emulation scene on mobile is getting bigger than actual mobile gaming. You know, I know it's not the case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, what what's interesting as well is that uh, they've also announced that wireless support for the PS4 DualShock 4, really? uh, the Microsoft yeah. Xbox One, are uh, both coming to TVOS, uh, iPadOS, and iOS 13. That's really weird. So you'll be able to use your yeah. PlayStation 4 and Xbox One controllers. 4 and Xbox One controllers, yep, on your iPad and effectively your iPhone as well ah, via Bluetooth. Fair. Well, I just uh, got made aware that one of our uh, favourite games at EGX, uh, Dead End Job from uh, Head Up Games, is going to be uh, starlining the Apple Arcade. So uh, shout out to Joe if you're listening. <laughs> oh, right, and okay. Also, Cat Quest 2 is going to be on Apple really? Arcade. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know There's that. There's a lot oh. of like very decent indie games that are being like, you know, toyed for on launch. So, yeah. all right, okay. I again, my no, I, I don't, I don't think it'll take off. I don't think it'll be a success personally. I'd like for it to take off, but will it? I guess time mm. will tell. And you know what else? Yeah, modern warfare. <laughs> or on the topic <laughs> of time, tick tock, tick tock. Survival yep. is going to be a PS4 exclusive for an entire year, which wow. is, oof, I I think it's killed my hype for it, honestly. It's, like, I've got a PS4, so it doesn't really matter to me, but I'm thinking, like, as a practice, I mean, Call of Duty is an annual franchise, you know, you'd, you'd never really see people playing previous Call of Duties unless it's, like, you know, say Black Ops 3 for the zombies or something. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for much longer after the next one comes out. So to restrict an entire key game mode that, mind, a lot of people liked in Modern Warfare 3, you know, it's a really bizarre move, and I really do wonder how much money Sony paid them. Mm. Very well, I mean, I mean, the uh, Taylor, I always get his name as well, Taylor Karaski? Yes. Kurowski? Yeah, that's his name, yeah. Apparently he said that, and, and I used the quote now, so it's in, it's in brackets. Decisions that are above all our pay grades. Mm. That was his quote when asked uh, regarding the complaints on the. Uh, so it's like, how much? I don't think Infinity Ward had much say on that one. No, that's very very odd. I think that's more of a possibly an Activision sort of uh, direction that was mm. taken, or you know, maybe Sony even just force them to you know it's like oh you guys have always you know given us exclusive content well you know here's a decent few million you know yeah it's your yeah, game yeah. mode <laughs> 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 so it's it's odd like 
because I really don't want to see this become a thing in the future. Butchering games just to sell off to publishers for millions and millions of pounds or dollars or yen or whatever. You know, it's just like... I feel bad for PC players and Xbox One players because they're going to be missing out on a decent portion of the game for greed. That's it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, completely. There's there's no other way to look at it. This it's not been done with the the player in mind, so to speak. They're not they've not thought. I know we'll give it to the the PlayStation fans because we we you know we treasure them more or whatever. It's literally been done for money. Yeah. There's no other way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's not like oh, well, we can offer a better experience on PS4 because you can use your touchpad to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, f- <laughs> I feel sorry for Infinity Ward as well because yeah, so- looking at some of some of their tweets that they put out in response to some of the criticisms, they genuinely are apologising, mm. but at the same time, it looks like they've been had a script to follow. It's kind of like they have the you know hands tied behind their backs and a yeah, it's like we understand <laughs> your feelings, but obviously this is above our pay grade and it's much better than the others I've seen. So it's. You know, it's mm. it's a very very bizarre situation. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I can understand from a business point of view why it's been done. Oh, yeah, certainly. But but from a consumer point, it it does feel like a bit of a stab in the back, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and it's just like it's a weird decision to make. Uh, you know, such a key point because obviously we had Black Ops Four. I mean, that has been getting so much controversy recently. Yeah. Um, with the release of its fourth DLC and the uh, the release of specifically the zombies map uh, tagged a totem and i just want to ramble on about this for a little bit because i've just you carry on i, I missed it from our little uh, topic script but oh god it pisses me off so <laughs> obviously for anyone who doesn't know the call of duty zombies uh, sort of sub franchise has had this consistent story for the better part of 10 years now and uh it's been building up and building up and building up and it you know nearly ended one time then it didn't and it nearly ended another time and then it didn't so you know it's been sort of like slowly building up with all these different plot threads and all these different characters and this interesting lore that's going on and sort of culminating in this one final map basically which would end everything and they can move on to some fresh ideas you know innovate a little bit which you know it's a very exciting prospect however uh the only problem with that is that they fucked it up. <laughs> so, essentially, the, the the sort of concept was there was going to be this big war, essentially, between the two main antagonist fa- uh, factions, essentially. And, uh, yeah, we didn't get that. We got a remake. We got, well, specifically, three remakes of old maps and literally just like a cut-paste sort of stop-motion comic book ending where wow. TLDR and spoilers for uh, anyone who's listening the main antagonists didn't have any spoken roles and barely even appeared once during the entirety of black ops 4 uh, there were key features that were missed completely from the game and still aren't in the game almost a year later and the solution to this story apparently instead of going on and having this big climatic ending was oh we're just gonna get these characters to collect some things and we're gonna kill ourselves like what <laughs> no way <laughs> so 10 years of build-up for the characters to go ah, nah fuck this we're out <laughs> wow and the worst the worst part is because i was i was staying up and watching like the the easter egg hunts and stuff for like the story mm, and stuff yeah because like, 
you know, I've been massively invested in zombies for a long, long time. You know, massively invested in Call of Duty, you know, ever since I was, you know, a kid, you know. And <laughs> there was um, one streamer, Noah J, who was playing for the map. And I saw him the morning after. Um, he was just basically done with everything. He had finally beaten the Easter egg with his little gang and everything and gotten through it all. Got to the last cutscene. And of course, in typical Black Ops 4 fashion, because it's so well optimized, the game crashed. Of course it oh, did. Oh my goodness. Just before the final scene. And, yeah. Whoa. So, yeah, I am rolling back to Modern Warfare. I understand it's Infinity Ward, but yep. with the shady shit that happened in Black Ops 4, all the missed features and then the laden on microtransactions, you know, I'm just really scared for Modern Warfare because I really feel it's going to be a nostalgia trip that will hook in its audience immediately and then it will just chain them up, get the bottles and start milking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk, it's a good segue onto nostalgia there. My problem with Modern Warfare... Mm. Uh, I I was quite vocal about this today uh, <laughs> you know, amongst the rest of us. Definitely. I am a huge fan of the character Price. Mm. Huge, huge fan. Uh, I think the uh, the guy that did the voice originally, uh, or was it Bill, Bill Murray? Oh yes. not that one. The other one. <laughs> Bill Murray, not that one. <laughs> Bill Murray, not that to one. Quote Jim Sterling. <laughs> yeah. The uh, he just he encapsulated the character and playing through the modern warfares you go on the story with price and soap and obviously all these different things happen to them and i got invested in their characters hmm. and to find out that the price in this modern warfare and i understand it's a reboot to understand but i've read the the sort of the blurbs and, and the, the press releases yeah. this isn't the price and soap that we know from the previous games mm-hmm. these are people basically with the same name mm-hmm. And the same face, but they're completely different characters. Yeah, yeah. And that honestly felt like a start. Like a, I got, I got, I got chest pains when I saw that. <laughs> Watch, I, I mean, you can see the exact moment his heart rips in two. <laughs> exactly. And there. <laughs> and it, and it all stems from the fact that when I first saw the first teaser trailer and you saw Price, mm. and I was like, oh my god, that's Price! This is going to be amazing. He's back. And then I heard Soap was in it, and I was like, okay, it's a reboot, they can do that. They can bring a dead character back, it's not a problem. Mm. But then, to hear that they're not the same, it was like, oh. And then the argument that we had amongst ourselves this afternoon was, but it is the same character. (laughs) But then, my argument, it's not the same character, because I believe that experiences and situations that certain characters have to face are what shapes that character. Mm, that's true. I ended up agreeing so, with you, actually, at the end of the argument. Yeah, so to, to, <laughs> so to say that this is the same price that you've had before, it's not, because he hasn't gone through the same things the previous price has gone yeah, through. definitely, definitely. So he won't be the same character. He won't have the same personality. Mm, exactly. So, and, so I'm a little bit sort of downhearted now about playing this, because I was looking forward to taking control of this, you know, the newbie, working with Price, working with Soap, and, you know, thinking, I remember doing this with you, Soap, and I remember doing this with you, Price, mm-hmm. and going through this, and all the things that we'd sort of... I know it sounds really nostalgic, but, you know, we went through this together. I played those games. We did these things together. Mm. But now it's going to be just looking to the cold, dead eyes of the person I don't really know. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, because, like, when we had this discussion earlier, you know, I raised quite a... Um, 
interesting comparison, which was Ratchet from the Ratchet and Clank series. Obviously, yes, that yeah, you had said. its uh, two thousand. I think it's two thousand sixteen reboot um, of the first game, and like you know, similar to, uh, to to Call of Duty and Jack and Daxter and Sly Cooper. You know, Ratchet and Clank is a core series that has stayed with me throughout my childhood. So I was I was hyped as anything to pick up the uh, the the sort of reboot of the first game, but the Ratchet in that game, he is not the same Ratchet as the one in the original PS2 title, you know, the one in the PS2 title yeah. was, he was brattish, he was cocky, he was, for lack of a better term, he was a dickhead, you know, <laughs> he was a dickhead. But in an endearing exactly. way. He was a little furry dickhead, but yeah. the Ratchet in the reboot is nothing but sugar-coated smiles, you know, he's got these lofty ambitions and he's friendly to everyone and, you know, he loves doing his job and yeah, he wants mm. to go in the stars and save people uh, whereas you know the ratchet in the original one just was a bit of a junker you know fixed things up found a robot went sod it you're going with yeah. me and when he didn't do what he wanted he went well sod you then <laughs> yeah yeah get stuffed but then do you think that was more the writing at the time i mean maybe that was sort of that was more a character that people wanted and now they well, want they have to be more careful yeah because you know ratchet obviously grew out of the sort of grungy early noughties era sort of hopping off of the nineties buzz but you know i think what is important here is that yes the new ratchet is more fantastical and whimsical and you know based towards a younger demographic obviously but the reason why people liked the ratchet prior even nowadays is because he showed character development you know obviously it's a single game you can't show much in terms of growth but even throughout you know ratchet one or if you consider two and three as well you know he grew from this sort of um what's the word sort of like backyard little uh sod so to speak <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he, he grew yeah. into a respectable person and you know he, yeah he, but you went along know. that journey with him yeah and that's true and that does sort of play yeah. to the bias as well which you know clouds my opinion whereas you know if we get a kid nowadays you know if i get my little brother and you know sit him down with ratchet and clank the reboot you know he could end up absolutely loving that iteration and yeah. go to the first yeah. one and go no that's not it well it'll be Ugh. it'll be the same for this modern warfare some people that have never played the modern warfare story before exactly or have never played the franchise they'll come along and they'll take price and they'll take soap on face value and you'll go yeah i like these characters these are great yeah. and it, it just won't be the same for me no, no. <laughs> it just won't i mean don't get me wrong i'm from from the trailer the story looks really really good mm. and i think i'm gonna have to take this as a i'm gonna have to sort of swallow my pride on this one and and play the game thinking, okay, this 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 is this is a different game now. Mm, definitely, definitely. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a really good storyline. From what I've seen in the trailers and things, it looks really good. But yeah, I'm gonna have to go in this with a slightly more open mind now than I was w- willing to do, really. And Activision, if you're listening, uh, hopefully not too many microtransactions this time, please. No mm. battle royale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sick of battle royale. Now, every game seems to need a battle royale. God, that's a discussion for the next podcast. <laughs> that's 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 a, that's a yeah, that's a whole. Yeah, we need to get. There's, I'm sure there's many many opinions on that one that we could get involved. Oh yes, oh yes. But uh, I guess moving on to our final topic of the day, uh, Nintendo has obviously just migrated one of its first party IPs for the first time. Uh, well, I say first time, second time if you include Mario Run. <laughs> yep. Oops, little slip And Dr. Mario. And Dr. Mario. All, right, all right, yeah, just shut me down. Just shut me down. All right. <laughs> it's fine. Nintendo brought Mario Kart to iOS and Android. But. Yes. And this is a big but. Mm. It. 
obviously it's free and with that comes some yep. costs what i don't think many people were expecting though is that it's quite unfortunately an over glorified gacha game which is very very weird mm. so uh basically the whole premise of the game is it is just mario kart however you're limited to a certain number of races carts parasols wheels etc in order mm-hmm. to obviously unlock new characters and new parts you have to spend i think it was rubies yeah you have to spend rubies in the premium currency store to have a random chance of unlocking different things basically yeah. uh the problem with this though is it also has sort of like a season passy battle passy sort of thing which is really weird um yeah and the, i was i looked into yeah. that and one of the things it offers is and i couldn't believe it when i was reading this for a free game that and mario especially mm. in the description of what you get when you buy this pass you get a faster cart yes so essentially it's a $4.99 a month subscription that you pay and essentially you get access to the game's fastest setting which is 200cc uh, which is only available on the subscription service uh, which is you know, as many people who may have played America Kart 8 or America Kart 8 Deluxe or America Kart DS would know, 200cc is ridiculously fast. And the mm-hmm. reason for this is because the whole game is centered around either the premium currency or coins. And if you can collect more coins faster, then you can pay for more things for free. But yeah. you've got to consider you're still spending a 5.99 subscription into it. Or oh, 4.99, sorry. Um... Apparently, the subscription also gives you preferential uh, loot odds as well. So, oh, really? You get like better access to like higher uh, level equipment. <clears throat> you earn more rubies. You earn more coins. You get more boosters and benefits and better parts as well. Which is the main part is you get better parts for paying. Yeah, effectively, what what to break it down into simple terms, what they've basically done is they've made Mario Kart pay to win. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, it's a gacha game which is pay to win, and it's such a shame because obviously this is a Nintendo operated mobile game. Um, mm. Which, you know, given its first party, you can excuse them for having a, a few hiccups, you know. The problem, though, is that Nintendo has had a history so far, albeit a very limited history, of publishing some really, really stellar mobile games. I mean, Dragalia Lost which was a partnership between Nintendo and um, Psy Games, is a absolutely fantastic, if not the best gacha game on Android and iOS. Just purely for the principle of how generous the developers are. You know, you, I played for a decent few months and there was never a point where I had to pay a single penny to get any characters or anything. You know, and you know, even with the first anniversary coming up in a few days, you know, it's even then, like, if you compare it to something like Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links or, you know, Dragon Ball Dokkan Battle or something you know they're incredibly generous and like I said you look at that and go that's Nintendo and then you look at Mario Kart and go that's Nintendo yeah <laughs> it's it's wild and it's really weird it's it's a really strange route for them to go on sort of their you know their past sort of their history so to speak yeah definitely definitely especially especially with the Mario title as well yeah and it's really, really weird because, like, I'm, I'm reading off of an article from Vice here, but obviously you can buy the premium subscription in bundles for, you know, packs and stuff like that. 
the problem is uh, I'm just trying to get to the point here where they suggest that uh, if you wanted to pay for sort of the one of the well one of the biggest um, ruby packs in the game, it would cost you sixty nine ninety nine. That's ridiculous. $10 more than the suggested retail price of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Nintendo Switch. That's... Yeah. At that point, you might as well just save your money, get a Switch, get MK8 Deluxe, quite honestly. Yeah. You know, it's yep. it's ridiculous. But it kind of sets a worrying precedent for first-party Nintendo IPs on mobile platforms if it's going down this route. I mean... You know, what would they do with The Legend of Zelda? What would they do with Metroid? You know, what would they do with F-Zero? <clears throat> so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does open up that value. To, sorry, not the value. The, the, the avenue to sort of start adding it to other games. Mm, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think the last thing we want is a Breath of the Wild style mobile game where you have to pay for all your equipment. So, But, saying that, it's I honestly think that it's on its way. Mm, definitely. It's a sad thing to sort of admit, and it's a sad thing to sort of think about, but I genuinely think that sort of thing is on its way. Yeah. Because no one at any point, yes, there's been complaints, but there's been no official bodies so far Mm. that have stepped in and said, no, you shouldn't be doing this. No, definitely, definitely. And I mean, obviously, you've got, you know, the UK Gambling Commission investigating various companies on loot boxes and microtransactions and that sort of thing, Um, you know, after the whole EA debacle of surprise mechanics. However... I don't think it's really going to touch mobile games that much, quite honestly. No, I think it's no. aiming purely for console and PC games. I think the yeah. mobile market is still going to be this sort of unchecked wild west of gaming, so to speak. I think it's also the fact of uh, developers and publishers are getting very clever now about how they implement into a game. Mm. They know the black and white, what they can and what they can't get away with. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you've got a game there that you can play, that you technically can still complete without having to spend any money mm. and then giving people the option to unlock additional pieces of the game that you don't necessarily need yeah. i think that's how they're getting around it yeah so for instance obviously yes you can pay money for this subscription on mario kart on you know on the mobile but you don't need to mm. you can still play the game can still grind. it's just <laughs> you can still grind exactly and i think that's how maybe that's that's the avenue that they're trying to sort of skirt the whole loot box and pay to win sort of vibe mm. is the fact of well look there's the game you can play it you don't need to spend any money exactly. it is an option there if you want to yeah it's, it's and it's a very dangerous dangerous avenue because like as you said how many more i mean yes okay this is just at the moment uh limited to mobile in terms of the mario kart but what's to say that I mean, what's to say it's not going to happen on other other platforms? <laughs> NBA 2K20. <laughs> well, I was I wasn't going to say anything, but I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, Nintendo. They, <laughs> yeah. New Super Mario Bros. Three. Give me my Mario slot machine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, uh, the thing is, though, I mean, that's that's the scary thing is. is. I mean, it's. <laughs> It makes you wonder if the, like, for instance, NBA and Nintendo are getting away with it, then it sets a precedence for what else people can get away with. Yeah. The minute I see the term... And it's a very, very scary the thought. The minute I open up a Mario game and I see the term sl- uh, star slots, I'm, I'm quitting gaming. <laughs> I'm, I'm quitting gaming. Well, <laughs> you know what's next is a, a Sonic game with uh, the gambling oh, uh, level. <laughs> Just with actual microtransactions. With actual microtransactions, ring, I can see the, the segment. It's fortune. right there. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, you've got you've got the uh, the, the the Vegas levels on uh, on Sonic, oh, so no. you can see the Segway. No. If you know, they can, <laughs> you, I, I, I know, I know. It's a very bleak outlook, oh. but it's the possibilities are there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to give developers and publishers <laughs> ideas. Definitely not. This is not a I want this game to exist. Definitely not. Gosh. But I'm saying there are avenues that they could explore. I need to take up woodworking instead. <laughs> <laughs> and on that lovely uh, wooden note, haha, but um, bum, but uh, <laughs> we're going to end episode 15 of today's podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed your time listening. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about yay old day capitalism, so I'm quite interested to see what yes. you guys think of all these developments and the evolution and devolution of pricing models and all that sort of stuff and also state of play you know what did you guys think you know give us your thoughts and comments uh, either on our website or over on twitter facebook youtube twitch you name it we're also on patreon as well so if you want to get your hands on some pretty nice merch then you can go over there and maybe get your hands on a few pieces so yeah and with that i think we'll bid you adieu take care lovely listeners and we'll see you in the next one take care Ciao. Ciao for now.